Well, Sarah, thank you very much for taking the time to uh, sit down and speak with me uh, about the, uh, the history of Rody House and, and its archives. Uh, let's start with yourself. How did you get involved with museums and specifically uh, Rody House? I was managing at a vintage and antiques shop on Main Street. So I did that for 10 years total. Um, and, uh, and while I was there, I met Ivan Sayers, who has one of the largest private collections of, of antique clothing. Uh, he was a curator at the Museum of Vancouver for a long time. Um, so he came in on one of his usual trips to kind of scout out clothing for his collection. And uh, he asked if I wanted to start doing some of the shows he does. So he does these lectures. They're fun and, and he does, he provides a lecture and then people come out in dressed uh, in the particular decade that he's speaking about. Um, and he he's amazing. He does the, the hair, I, advises on the makeup and then we have the underclothes, the shoes, the the full outfit. And so uh, I started doing those, which was was fun. And then we usually went to a lot of different museums. Um, I've always loved uh, visiting museums. That's, I think I spent every birthday at the Museum of Vancouver since I was about eight. That was a, a favorite. So getting to, to volunteer with Ivan um, and do that uh, was a lot of fun. And I collect uh, vintage clothing, obviously, for from 10 years of working there. I've amassed quite a bit. Uh, we eventually ended up going doing a show at the Hastings Mill Store Museum, and I had not heard of it. I had, I was, you know, tried to visit as many museums as possible that were nearby, and I finished at UBC doing my uh, major in art history and history, mostly in medieval studies, so not super relevant to Vancouver, but <laughs> um, I, I enjoyed going to museums, and I hadn't heard of the, the old Hastings Mill Store, so I uh, we did the show there, and I was amazed because there was all of these early artifacts, um, and it was just, it's a museum of a museum, for sure. It hasn't really changed since the 30s, um, so that was very unique, and, and that sort of cabinet of curiosities style uh, of display, so I, um, I started volunteering there, and then that really, uh, once I started there, I just thought I, I would love to work in a museum, and, and just being here and volunteering is fantastic. Um, and then uh, from there, I ended up, uh, we had some connections with Rody House just in sharing information and that kind of thing. Um, and I had visited Rody House, which blew my mind because having a house museum where you can go in and there's no ropes mm -hmm. and you can touch things, that the first time I came here was, I just couldn't believe that. I was, you, you could sit in the chairs and that was a totally new experience. And I've always, I mean, I've admired the, the Victorian era. Uh, I watched a lot of old movies growing up, so Meet Me in St. Louis was a favorite that was sort of a 1940s take on the Victorian period, and so so I just had this connection with, with Rody House from there, and then uh, when they were looking for uh, a manager, I thought, if only, that would be a dream, um, and it worked out. And the, and the history of, of Rody House as a museum, uh, walk us through that, uh, and, and also just when when did they start to develop the archive and the collection for the museum? So for, for Rody House, um, it, it's a very unique, It's especially in its approach, it's a hands-on museum. So people were able to come in and you could put on a pair of gloves and, and handle the artifacts. And that was sort of the vision from the very beginning. Um, Rody House Preservation Society formed in 1984. Uh, originally, the, the whole area, we're in Barclay Heritage Square. The, uh, the Parks Board was going to demolish quite a few of the, there's about 17 historic homes in this area. And the Parks Board was going to uh, sort of do a big tear down and create a green space, uh, park space. So there was uh, the city and the Community Arts Council of Vancouver at the time. Uh, they were, you know, sort of outraged that all of these historic buildings were gonna be lost. So they rallied together and uh, the Rody House was given class A heritage status. And 
1976. So it did take like 10 years between the Parks Board's plan and, and actually getting heritage status for the house. And when that was achieved, a few of the other buildings were also uh, slated for you know, uh, preservation. A few did get demolished, but about 12 of them, I believe, had, were able to be saved. And Rody House is actually the oldest in, in the uh, block um, from what did get preserved. Uh, and the vision was um, when the society formed in 1984, they wanted um, to have a, a, a peek into inside of uh, Victorian Vancouver so that people could come in and really experience that. And actually Janet Bingham, who, who wrote the book um, about Rody House, she said that her uh, inspiration came from a child who had gone to the Museum of Vancouver and was looking at the Victorian display there and was wanting to try to open something, but you know, there wasn't, it was just sort of a display. Um, and that gave her the idea that you know, it would be great to have a space where people could actually sit in the chairs and, and have that living experience. Um, and so that's, that's how it formed the society. Uh, the city of Vancouver worked on, um, with some of the heritage councils at the time, uh, restoring that exterior, which was a huge job. The Rodies had left this home in 1925, and since then it had become uh, a boarding house, a rooming house, and by the 60s it was like very derelict and, and had gone through so much wear and tear. So the restoration process was, was huge. Um, but that was the first stage, and then uh, it did open as a museum in 1990, but just the downstairs were at, so they, the focus on collecting was to find um, furnishings that uh, represented the era and, and have it be as authentic as possible. So they got a lot of donations, um, and they, they got a lot of loans actually from the Museum of Vancouver, mm-hmm. uh, and they were able to, to furnish the entire, that, that was the fun part, was sort of furnishing the interior after all the work of, of restoring the interior, because um, that went on for, for quite a while, uh, and, and they had to go through the various layers of the paint and, and rediscover the, the wood paneling and take off all the paint that was on that and the floors and try to, the family actually was involved with helping they were able to provide some photographs mm. so they could um, replicate a lot of the rooms and they did provide uh, a few donations themselves for a couple of artifacts that were in the home at the time. Um, so they tried to, and I think they did a, a fantastic job of recreating what it looked like at, in the roadies time frame. Um, they got uh, wallpaper samples that they were able to sort of redo and, and have that. The, the kitchen wallpaper is actually the authentic they were able to find uh, a really good piece of it so that they could replicate that and, and screen that onto the, the kitchen. And that is the most authentic room in the house because it hasn't really changed much since then. So um, yeah, the collection was a lot of furnishing and interesting because it had to be um, sort of pieces too that, that people could handle. Mm. Um, and so in that sense, it's in a way a bit of a teaching collection as well. It's not, not all of it is permanent collection. Um, because we understand that people will sit in the chairs and those will eventually get worn out and we'll have to get new chairs at some point. So that we have had um, in the collection uh, new pieces brought in to replace older ones. We just got a new bedroom set last summer actually. Um, so that's kind of fun because then everyone, you kind of reassess the room and you can redecorate. We've got uh, a yearly uh, refurbishments plan. So each year we go through, uh, we choose a different room or two rooms and um, and see what could be done to help refurbish it a bit more. Um, we got picture rails installed in the upstairs landing this year um, and we've done some wallpaper retouching and that kind of thing. So 
Um, and then included with that is sometimes we're getting new carpets or, or whatever is needed, or sometimes better mm. artifacts that um, more accurately represent the, the social standing of the, the roadies. They were a middle-class uh, immigrant family that um, was doing quite well for themselves because they were able to, to build this in 1890, have this built in 1893. That's always sort of key um, in our collecting. And, and then in 1990, that was the, the downstairs. In 2000, the upstairs got open, so then they started restoring and finding furnishings for uh, the upstairs, which includes the kids' rooms, the, the girls' room and the boys' room, so that... Um, but yeah, since we have most of the, the house furnished, we don't do a lot of uh, active collecting um, at this point because um, we do still get some things coming in, uh, but we just we don't have a lot of storage. Yeah. So we've got a, a very small storage space upstairs in our collections room, sort of behind a, a curtain. But otherwise, it's it's sort of what you see. And so if it's something that we're getting in, it'll be to replace something else that will then be deaccessioned. Mm. Yeah. And what informs the, uh, the the restoration process and, and some of the items that you take in to use in Rody House? Is, is that uh, something that you take on or, or so do you the, do that contract work? How, how do you do that? There is, um, the, the board is very active um, and so and have been since the beginning um, in uh, taking part in a lot of the decisions that, that happen. So collectively, uh, myself and the board will sort of review and we've got a few different contractors that we use that we use uh, often and so we know that their, their work is good. In that aspect, we've, uh, we just try to go as authentically as possible. Um, a lot of the, the members of our board have been members for quite a number of years and some of them had uh, positions on the board sort of in, in the early years when it was beginning. Mm. Um, so they've, uh, and have backgrounds in, in other heritage preservation and, and connections that way. So um, we're very lucky in that sense to have a, a good pool of people mm. to kind of help inform. Mm. Yeah. What are some keystones of the collection? What do you think are some real highlights of, of that, that really define the, uh, the period in which Rody House was created? Well, I think, I mean, the, the Rody family um, items that we do have, that we don't have a ton of them, but it is amazing. Like we have a, a music stand that's actually next to where you're sitting. Um, and that belonged to the family. And we have a photograph from uh, the period, uh, or the little music cupboard, um, mm -hmm. sheet music cupboard. Uh, we have a photograph from the period that shows it sort of in that same spot. And it's amazing to see that and then to also have it in person here. Um, the legs got shortened at one point because it was used as a bedside table. Mm -hmm. uh, but pieces like that that have a, a little bit of the history that you can um, find from, from the family, uh, the original Norrell post is, is really special and, and very beautiful. It's Aurora um, with her lamp there, and that was original to the, to the family and to the home and was eventually returned by the, the family and, and donated back to put on display. And um, so I think that's really special. I think other pieces sort of, uh, like the kitchen, even though it's, that's my favorite room, and even though it's they're sort of rudimentary utensils and that kind of thing, it's just, I, it really adds to the authenticity to, to have all of these um, little pieces. So you have a potato peeler, but it's from the era, so it really just gives it that look of someone having just left the room and, and leaving everything out, and, and I love that. So I think each little piece um, that we do have, and the majority is, is all authentic. Victorian, we have some, a few little, slightly later pieces maybe, but... Um, yeah, those, the family-owned items, I think, in particular, though, mm -hmm. are, are the most, mm -hmm. I think, give it the most authenticity here. Who were the Rodies? So what was the Rodi family, uh, what was their story? So the, the Rodi family, uh, they were an immigrant family, uh, 
Gustav originally came here from Germany. He uh, met Matilda in Ohio uh, after a Halloween party. They, she, her brothers uh, had met Gustav. They brought him back, um, sort of love at first sight. So it was a, a nice little tale of the two of them. Um, and they, uh, he was a, a bookbinder, and uh, he had an amazing. Um, he apprenticed and, and learned how to do beautiful marbling inside of books, so he was able to take that technique and, and teach it and also use it um, in his business. And so he did quite well for himself. Um, so from Ohio, there was uh, a lot of um, unions were, were spreading up and he was not um, a supporter of unions. So he left, they went to uh, California, they went to Victoria, and then um, eventually ended up in Vancouver. Um, and they, they, were, they had a rather large family. They, they did have a, a couple tragedies in the family. They did lose two children um, in, in the time that they, uh, one before they arrived at Rody House, the other quite tragically uh, right before they had left. And um, they were, uh, Gustav was able to, uh, he had his book binary business and, and do quite well for himself because of his um, marbled uh, pages that he, he had in, in his books. Um, and he had the, uh, some of the White Star Line companies um, used his uh, book bindery work. Um, so he had quite a few large accounts and um, eventually got a roadie house built. Supposedly, uh, we don't have the plans to verify, but um, there's family uh, interviews and, and they have remembered uh, Francis Rattenbury having been here and having conversations with Gustav and obviously um, Francis Rattenbury was well known for um, various reasons but <laughs> also for uh, um, having designed the legislature buildings in, in Victoria, the Vancouver Law Courts which are now the art gallery. Um, so this is the only, if, if it is um, certain that he designed it. It's the only family home that he designed, which makes it very unique. The turret that we have, um, that is the sort of classic Rattenbury um, looking, and uh, and there was no uh, cellar below here, and, and Matilda was apparently quite upset about this, and she mentions it, that Rattenbury didn't include a cellar, and she wanted that, but instead he gave uh, her a turret so that she could have this lovely view out to Stanley Park in English Bay, um, and she did. She she sewed up there, and they made great use of the turret upstairs. They dried uh, flowers, and she hung her lace. Um, she also they dried pears that they had. They had a, a pretty extensive gardens um, out here with pears and plums and that kind of thing. Um, so yeah, it, they were. It's really the story of just a, an immigrant family that, that came here, and I think that's very relatable for uh, obviously for um, a lot of people coming through and coming into the house. And, uh, and yeah, he was Vancouver's first bookbinder, so hmm. significant in that. With regards to being a historical house, you're talking about relating to, to visitors. How do you make connections with the present? And further to that, uh, what, what does it mean to, to be relevant to populations now? How do you navigate that? So that I think for us, we, we try to do, um, our, we're unique in that we are, the exhibits we have, we bring in um, guest curators. We've got a sort of rotating exhibition space upstairs in our collections room, um, and that's an opportunity for people to have sort of a different take on um, the Victorian period or uh, the Rody family story or something related to that sort of mission that we have to, to present and preserve um, the Vancouver's past in that sense. Um, so people have, have sort of had unique takes on that. 
Um, you know, we welcome artists as well to come in. We've had some installations uh, in here before. Um, so those are opportunities to kind of comment and, and bring things into a bit of a more modern scope. Um, and it's great having guest curators because people can make an application and, and sort of present something to us and, and we can work on it that way. Um, but I think it really is we have an amazing group of, uh, of docents, all volunteer docents, and it's, we've got 64 um, volunteers involved with the museum and they are extremely knowledgeable, very passionate, and, uh, and they really bring, I think, this sense of, uh, you know, welcoming people in and sharing the roadie story and, and making it relevant in that sense because you're hearing it from another person and it makes it uh, more than just reading it off of a, a card or that kind of thing. Doing their own research on the side, volunteers are always coming to us with um, new information that they've discovered or, um, you know, we, uh, especially the, the story of uh, Anna Catherine, who was the daughter who ended up being murdered at, um, after her shift at Vancouver General Hospital. One of the uh, docents here did a bunch of research and was able to sort of present sort of things that we, you know, errors maybe that we had in the story previously and, and sort of fix certain dates. And, and so it's great when they when they are able to just do this research on the side and, and present. And, um, and then they can speak on that when we get visitors come in. And that's sort of an area that they really enjoy talking about. So um, it's a little bit different for each person that comes through. Mm, so you, you, you start, you have a foundation of kind of information of the story and then everyone highlights based on their own Yeah, it's, so it's all very different. We just... So it could theoretically be a, a very different tour, like yes. obviously the same sort of historical dates and stuff, but the emphasis could change. It, it completely, because huh. each uh, each docent sort of has their own um, area that they emphasize and their own passion. So they um, so you get a you could come here uh, multiple times and have different tours each time because of the the person that's leading them. We've now done uh, an audio uh, tour, so we've recorded all of our volunteers, which is a great resource to now have going forward. What are some exhibitions that are on the docket? We've, uh, we're going to be doing an exhibit on Pauline Johnson. We were approached uh, last year by uh, a very enthusiastic collector um, who is trying to look into some of the connections that early printers had, um, even with, with Roadie House um, in Vancouver, as well as um, the Pauline's um, connections with uh, uh, her sort of early roots and and how her stories were presented and how things have changed um, and uh, her connection with, with Mary Capilano and, and when Mary Capilano sort of got erased and, and women's stories and so he's um, providing the collection and, and doing some research and we're excited to work with him on this um, so that will be sort of up and coming. And for those who, who, who don't know, who, who is Colin? So she was uh, a poet um, and she was quite famous uh, and sort of beloved in Vancouver. Her, she's the only person buried in, in Stanley Park, so there's a little memorial to her there. Um, and this was the early 1900s. Um, she was part Indigenous, part European, um, and she kind of played both sides of that. Uh, she was a performer as well, so um, there's definitely a little bit of controversy in, in, in how she presented. Um, and so sort of seeing where she was taking some of her stories because she uh, did take stories from here, from the indigenous people here, um, and, and use those even though they weren't her stories. Mm -hmm. um, that did bring the stories forward, but at the same time, um, 
what uh, what Jim Gibson is looking to do is also sort of show the the trail of, of how things get altered and a lot of the time too was the, the printing companies that sometimes made decisions like the publishers that decide you know they would um, remove Mary Capilano's portion and just focus on on Pauline's name there um, so it's interesting to see the development of that three years out five years out what, what do you feel to be the uh the future of Rody House, what are, what are some thoughts for the future? We continue to try to restore and, and make things as authentic as possible. I think it's, um, there's other stories that are connected to the Rody family that are beyond the Rody family as well, and that's something that we've been trying to work on at with our summer student this year. Um, uh, myself and Nina, we've been trying to look at the kitchen in particular and, and focus there, and there's uh, a Chinese um, houseboy that was uh, in the Rody history, but they his name was Hung, and we don't know much beyond that. So his story is kind of erased or, or not really focused on, and um, it's hard to kind of recreate and find out you know, what his life was like. So we might not be able to track down um, what his life was completely like here personally, but um, for someone um, of Chinese descent who was in that sort of position, what life would have been like for them? Because the roadies definitely intersected with a number of other cultures. It's not just a German family here. Um, there was the we've done exhibitions in the past on uh, the Hawaiian population in Stanley Park and Kanaka Ranch, um, and uh, and you know they intersected. They were actually um, the granddaughters who were uh, one of them was born next door at Barkley Manor. There used to be a hospital there, um, and the two of them had their childhood here. Uh, their father was away in World War One, and um, Kay Cather. Uh, was taught, both granddaughters actually were taught how to swim by Joe Fortes. Mm. So his story is is intertwined with uh, the Rody family. And Kay went on to become BC's first female lifeguard in 1934. So um, there's other people that sort of intersect uh, with the Rody story and I think it would be nice and what we're trying to work towards is um, having more uh, communities sort of represented um, and have space for that uh, alongside the Rody story. So it's... Um, five years down the road it would be ideal to, to yes reach out to different communities and, and have um, a bit more information displayed and have that sort of integrated within the house. Look forward to seeing all the connections that uh, <laughs> you can come up with in the future. That would be great. Sarah, thank you very much for taking the time to sit down. Thank you.